Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Lord, I'm just reminded of your word. Lord, your written word and your spoken word. And in John it said, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And nothing was made that was made without the word that was Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that this morning our ears would be open, our eyes would be open to see, our hearts would be open to receive your word, Father, both the written word and the word that you're speaking to our lives and hearts today. Father, we ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. We are so glad that you're with us this morning. My name is Chris Valdez. I'm the senior pastor here at New Covenant Church. If you're a guest with us, welcome. If you came in and didn't get one of the gift bags that we have out in the foyer, uh, please feel free to grab one of those on your way out. It's just got a small gift from us and some more information about the church. Uh, If you ever have any questions, feel free to ask me or anyone uh, else that may be here uh, on staff or greeting or name tag. I was just reminded... um, Anybody that I've had a chance to, to talk with and get to know, um, you know that I'm pretty, can be pretty personable and like to have conversations and can talk a long time. We discussed that among our staff this week that I, I may do more talking sometimes than listening. Um, but uh, anyway, our, as our church continues to grow, there's, there's less and less opportunity for me to, to get to and visit with, with everybody that comes, whether whether I'm just meeting you or, or uh, if I've known you a long time. And I just want you to know that my heart and the heart of our other staff and our congregation in general is that we would uh, grow to be in relationship with you and get to know you um, and always uh, know that you can come up, and whether it's me or any, anyone else, and, and have a conversation. So um, we, we will always take time for you. Um, but if, if by chance I haven't been able to make it around to you, please, please come to me. Um, I would love to meet you personally and get a chance to visit with you. Uh, well, this morning we're going to continue a series that we started last week on prophetic words. And we, we looked at God speaking to Ezekiel last week, and that's actually uh, part of what the song that we just finished singing is based on. It comes from Ezekiel chapter 37, when God uh, told Ezekiel to prophesy, to speak to the dry bones and to prophesy life over them. And we're going to look at that word prophesy again uh, and prophecy in general But I want to start out looking at that definition again. In the Old Testament, that word that was used that God spoke to Ezekiel to prophesy, it comes from uh, the original word uh, nabah, and it means to speak by inspiration, to speak under the influence of God's spirit and the prediction of future events. So basically, when someone is prophesying, they are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, They're speaking by inspiration from God, and they're speaking the words that He is giving them, not their own. Most of the time, these words are given by God to give us a glimpse of what is coming. And when it comes to pass, we know that the prophetic word was from God and not from a man or a woman. 
And I mentioned last week that a lot of times when we hear a message or a series on uh, prophecy, it, uh, a lot of times it's focused on the book of Revelation and, and the end times and how, how things are going to end. And as you'll often hear is we know how it ends. God wins. You know, pra- praise the Lord. You know, yes, that's true. And that hasn't changed. And in Revelation it says that in the last days every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and and the book of Revelation is full of prophetic words that have yet to come to pass. Um, But that's not what this series is about. Uh, This series is about what we just said, that word prophesy, the prophetic word that God is still speaking and giving words uh, in the interim, (laughs) you know, before then. Uh, And and he's still speaking to us about things that may happen uh, next year or in the next few years. And he speaks to local bodies and to cities and to nations. Uh, And we see that in in the word of God and, and, and throughout church history. Uh, so last Sunday, uh, we kind of had an example of that at the end of our 10.30 a.m. service. One of our youth, uh, Jana Brown, uh, was with us in, after camp um, and had a word to share at the end of this service last week. Uh, if you weren't here or um, maybe in the early service, you may not have been aware. Um, it is on our uh, Facebook Live. If you will go back and listen to that, you can hear the whole thing. Um, I'm going to read a portion of it. But, but this word, which I believe was a word of encouragement, goes along with two words we had received previously um, in recent years. We've received uh, more throughout the history of the church, but in recent years related to worship at New Covenant Church. This is the word that uh, she said last week. It says, uh, she, she started out saying her favorite part of camp was worship, and she couldn't believe all the people speaking at camp that didn't care that anyone was watching them while they worship. They lifted their hands, they yelled, and she said it was perfect. And her her heart um, absolutely came through. You you could see um, her heart for worship and what God had been speaking to her. And so she she said she came back and was almost disappointed because she felt, she still felt it, but not everyone else did. And she desired for others to have the same freedom of not caring what others might think in their worship to God. And she felt God had spoken to her finally. And this this was the word she heard in her heart, finally. You don't care that anyone else is watching. You're worshiping me in that freedom. And, and listening to him, she, she, this is her words again, listening to him was a miracle. He doesn't care that anyone else is watching you, and you shouldn't either. So one of the things that excited me most about this word uh, is that she heard God. She heard God speak to her. And there is, there's literally nothing else that I can think of that more excites me as a pastor when someone hears God for themselves. It's like, if you get that, you got all you need. If you can hear the voice of God, you don't need anything else. You don't need a word from anyone else. You know and realize, I can hear God. He wants to speak to me, and he does speak to me. And so I, as I watched her share that, I was just like, yes, you know, yay. Yeah. She, she heard God speak to her, and, and she was bold enough to share what he had spoke to her because she felt like it was something he was having her share to the congregation. And like I said, I would describe this as a word of encouragement because at the end, uh, it wasn't necessarily a, a prophesying of a future event about our church's worship. It was just saying God wants us to be free. He wants us to worship in freedom, and he wants us to not care what anyone else is thinking about that. So, so it really was a word of encouragement, I would say, from the Lord speaking to her individually and then to the church. The next two words I would say are more kind of like prophetic words of something that was going to come in the future. 
The first one that I would share is from Joel T. Meyer. Um, he's a pastor that I'm in a uh, relationship with, uh, that, that through a, an organization of churches that we're in relationship with. We've had him speak here a couple times. He's at, for those of you who have heard him and, and enjoy his preaching, uh, he's going to be back with us in September, so we're looking forward to that. Um, but he shared this word in de- on December 29th of 2019 after worship uh, and before he shared the word that the Lord had given him that Sunday morning. He said, during worship, we were on the verge of something. People were afraid to step out. You want to clap, but you think you'll be the only one. Or shout, but no one else is. You think it will be weird if I do. I felt led, and I think, or felt led to move. I think he was still just speaking in general, not himself. Felt led to move, but no one wants to be the first to step out. Practice what it is like being free. And, and I love that he included this part. I said free, not crazy. Most churches don't know the difference between free and crazy. You can celebrate break freedom without being crazy. Some of you were on the verge of freedom and breakthrough, but because you didn't express your freedom, you didn't step into your breakthrough. Praise him just because he is worthy and because he is God. Amen. Yes, that's, that's, yeah. that's where we need to be is praising him because he's worthy and praising him because he's God. This church is going to explode in spiritual and numerical growth when we begin to express outwardly what God has done for us inwardly. And there's a difference between freedom and crazy. People can tell the difference between genuine and crazy. Lost people can usually tell the difference quicker than saved people. The depth of your praise will determine the magnitude of your breakthrough. Praise him and be free. There's something I want to share about all three of these, but let me read the last one um, before. And this one is from a gentleman named Seth Parker. Um, He and his family go to Grace Fellowship, but they were visiting here on Sunday, June 7th of 2020. And after the service, he didn't share publicly, but just gave me this word, um, and I shared it with Brandon, our worship pastor. Um, it's very short, but, but to the point it says, The Lord is building a culture of worship and expanding the language of worship. There's freedom and room to grow. So all these kind of uh, fit together, and we feel like the Lord is you know, doing something in the culture of worship here. What I wanted to hit on is what, what Joel mentioned in his word about like the difference between uh, freedom and crazy and, and the different expressions of worship. So you can go into the Bible and find a ton, of, I mean, just almost limitless number of different expressions of worship. There's times that they fell on their face. There's times that they took their shoes off. There's times that they danced and praised and shouted. Uh, there's times where they couldn't even speak because just the presence of God was so overwhelming. And so you look at all those and say, okay, which one was right? Well, they were all right. None was wrong. It was the expression of worship in, in that moment, in that scenario, and as the Holy Spirit was leading them. And so, you know, we could have, and this, this is that, uh, I, and I loved how he included that part about lost people can actually probably tell the difference faster and easier than, than someone who's saved. Um, so just as an example, we could have someone seated here, and, and I'm using empty seats for a reason, <laughs> seated here, uh, and, and let's say during worship, they both have their hands up, and they're both jumping up and down, and both just yelling. Um, this person could be worshiping, and this person might not be. It has nothing to do with the outward expression at the moment. It has to do with what's going on in the heart. 
You could, you know, you've, we've heard before, like people would say, um, you know, well, you look at a football game or a basketball game or a hockey game and everybody will yell and clap and scream and all this. And it's just for, um, you know, a sport and a team. Yet you come into church and know, you know, we're all quiet and reserved or, or whatever. Um, but I would say we could have 300 people in this room, every single one of them jumping up and down and yelling and screaming louder than they would at any football game. And not one person could be worshiping. It's irrelevant. The outward expression has nothing to do with worshiping God or what's going on in your heart. We could have every single person on their knees and quiet. And not one person be worshiping. Because we're doing it just to do it. And that's what everybody else is doing. It's it's irrelevant. What's relevant is if we worship God as He calls us and leads us to worship. And so if... He is leading you to raise your hands. Well, then raise your hands. If he leads you to come pray down here, then come down here and pray. But don't do it because someone else is doing it. And don't do it because you want attention or you want people to think you're worshiping him. Do it because you're worshiping him. And as Joel said, because he's worthy and because he's God. And if you see him for who he is, and that's the expression that comes out, then you're worshiping. And we could have one person, you know, jumping up and down and yelling and one laying on their face and one that took their shoes off and kneeling in their seat and 300 different expressions of worship. And a lost person could walk in this door and rather than seeing crazy, they're going to say, I don't know what this is, but I feel the presence of God. And they would know that it's authentic and real. But they could also come in if all of us are just having a party and making it look like this is what we do and this is how we worship. And they would walk in and say, There's, this is not real. They're just doing it. They're just, you know, performing. And that is not our heart, whether leading from the stage or when we worship. We don't want anyone to perform. And in, um, in John 4.23, Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well. And he said, The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. That's how we worship Him. We worship Him because of who He is and as the Holy Spirit leads us. And if we do that authentically, He's going to work in us and do uh, miraculous things. And through through that witness, other people would be able to walk in and say, I don't know what's going on, but something's happening in this place because God's present. And I, I've never felt this anywhere else, but I feel it here or I feel it around this person. There's people that I've, I've had the pleasure and blessing of, of having in my life that it didn't matter if we were in church. I could be eating lunch with them or in their office and just being in their presence was peaceful. They exuded the presence of Jesus Christ because they spent that time in his presence. And I couldn't be around them without just be like, ah, you know, I can just be with you. And it's amazing because of the relationship they had with Christ. And that's what we not only hear, but outside when we go into the world, we can have that kind of witness if that's the way we're following Christ. So these words had nothing to do with the one that I was going to share this morning. Um, there's a prophetic word that we got several years ago um, that's actually going to be what we're looking at this morning and um, in the weeks to come. 
but I wanted to share this one, or these with you, because it's so fit, one, because of what Jana shared last week, um, and these are the types of words I'm talking about. It's God speaking today to his church, to his body, about what he's doing right now, not necessarily something that's going to happen, you know, decades or, you know, who knows when uh, from now. And so, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, both are filled with both prophetic words and guidance regarding prophetic words. And we're going to look at some of those over uh, and throughout this series, including words that direct us to test the prophetic words. And the reason of this, the Bible is very clear. He says there are false prophets. People are going to lie. They're going to say, thus saith the Lord. You know, this is a word from God. And it's not from God. It's from them. And God says you have to test these words. Just because someone says they're giving you a prophetic word doesn't mean it's from God. We're to test it and to take it to God and ask him if, if that's a word from him. And before I share the specific prophetic word uh, that I believe we're in the process of seeing fulfilled, and that's what I shared last week, is uh, in this word I think we're, we're seeing the beginning stages of it, and I'll, I'll explain that in a moment. But before we get into that, I want to share a couple of scriptures relating to prophetic words. And the first is Deuteronomy 18.22, and it'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible. It says, When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So this passage just confirms what I just shared. Um, If a word comes from God, it will come true. If it doesn't, it wasn't from God. Like, there's no gray area in prophecy. If, if you heard from God, God says over and over throughout his word, if I say something, I will surely do it. There's no question, no ands, ifs, or buts. And that was what I, you know, I shared last week as a testimony of my father getting healed. It wasn't because he was special. It wasn't because we thought, um, you know, other people are going to die from COVID, but not my dad. You know, I mean, it, that wasn't what it was based on. It was based on the fact that God had given him prophetic words that we believed were from the Lord, that had not come to pass. And if those words were from the Lord, he couldn't die. I mean, it, it, there's just no way. Either Now, if he died, then those words weren't from the Lord. Like, it's one or the other. And, and he, uh, even the doctor, he never, he never admitted, like, a miracle from God. Um, but at the end, he finally said, he's one of the less than 1% chance that could have survived of what he went through. And we're like, yeah, and we told you all the way through that God was going <laughs> to he was going to heal. Like, you know, we, we knew he was going to be that point oh oh one whatever percent. But it wasn't for any other reason that we felt like we had heard God speak and he had spoken something that had not yet happened, so it had to happen. And, and so that is how you know if, if a word is from him or not. If it doesn't happen, it wasn't God. The next uh, passage is 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5. In this, Paul encourages us to pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. 
there's a lot in that passage, and we're only going to touch on two things, uh, or I'm only going to highlight two things. First of all, prophecy is still for today. Uh, some people believe that, that kind of cessationists, like it just ended. The apostles could prophesy and do that kind of thing, and the Old Testament prophets, but then it ended, and we don't need anything but the written word of God. Written word of God is is huge. Like we, we absolutely believe in that and hold that as our standard for everything that's ever spoken. But God does still speak. And what Paul didn't say, um, these handful of, of apostles that are still alive are going to continue prophesying. And then when they die, it's all over. He said, I desire that all of you earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. He's saying this is a spiritual gift for the body of Christ. So both of those things are true. It hasn't ended, and we're to desire it and to, to walk in that gift. And remember that prophecy is simply hearing the voice of God for yourself or others and then being led to share that word. So it may be personally for you. He could speak a, a prophetic word for you or your family. He could speak something to a friend or a stranger and just say, you know, I've, I've had uh, many different words given over my lifetime um, at different places by different people um, that didn't know me, didn't know each other, and they were consistent. Like God would say the same thing. And many times when I questioned what God had spoken to me, even words that I'd received, even through multiple people, I would still begin to doubt and think, well, maybe it was true, but then I messed it up. <laughs> you know, I, I went off and did something, and so I could have walked that way, but then I screwed it up. So now it's not his plan anymore. And when I would get to one of those places, somebody else would come along and say, God told me to tell you this. And it was the same thing and the same word to reconfirm, no, you, haven't met, you didn't miss me. You didn't screw it up. I've, it's, I still said it. It's still going to come to pass. And eventually he would bring it to pass. And, and all glory and all honor and all praise went to him because I knew I had nothing to do with it. And if I had, I would have messed it up and given up over and over and over and over again. But God continued to speak over and over and over again and said, no, I said it. It's going to happen. It's true. So the prophetic word that we're going to be looking at uh, this morning and over the next few weeks is one that my wife Candy received when we, it was uh, in March of 2019 when we were in Israel. And she received this particular word when she was praying at the Garden of Gethsemane. They, they gave us, I mean, it was about an hour to just kind of spread out and go around and find a place under a tree or whatever and pray. And so as she was praying, she got several words, and th- this was one of them for the church. And she shared it after we got back. Um, and since then, the Lord uh, has brought it to my mind. I think I've shared it with you all a few times over the years since then. Um, and recently, God started bringing it back to my mind again, and I was reading it again and again. And, um, but he was pointing out a different part uh, to me and highlighting kind of a different part that I'd missed the first time. Or it wasn't time to see, you know, he just wasn't revealing it at that time. So here's the word. And it's, like I said, it's up on the screen, but I'll read it for you. It says, this is a church of healing. People come here and they are healed physically, emotionally, and mentally. We as a church need to not be afraid of it, but embrace it because a flood is coming. A flood of people who are going to need Jesus. In this small little town, he says to be faithful and pray because people are going to need him. He needs the warriors in this church to be his hands and feet. I also felt how much he loves the church. He has an overwhelming love for this church. It was hard to write down at the time, but New Covenant is the beginning of the vision of what he wants a church to be like. Continue to seek him, for he desires more with you. Um, so 
so the thing that, well, I'll tell you what stood out at first. So the first thing that stood out to me when she got this back in 2019 was, um, obviously, he's going to be healing people physically, spiritually, emotionally. Like, fantastic. I can't do that. You can't do that. We can't do it for ourselves. We certainly can't do it for other people. Only God can do that kind of healing. And so it's like, okay, he's going to do um, these miraculous healings. Fantastic. The other thing was a bunch of people are going to come. He's going to bring a flood of people. Sounds like a great thing. I was like, yeah, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to grow. Great. Um, and so it was just kind of a real encouraging word, and we received it, and we, you know, presented it to the elders. They believed it also was from God, and, you know, before she shared it with the congregation. Um, so then fast forward to now in the last maybe three to six months when God was bringing this word to my mind again, um, and I was reading it and going through it, but a different word stood out. And the word that stood out was flood. And I just started thinking about that and praying about it. And the more that I thought about it, I was thinking, you know, when's the last time you were watching a news report and a flood's, you know, come through a community and they're interviewing somebody afterward and they say, boy, that was a fantastic flood. That was one of the best floods I've ever been, you know, had the pleasure of being part of. You know, it was just fantastic. I've been to, you know, experienced a lot of floods. They were all good, but this was one of the better ones. Like, it, you know, it's like, no, no. Floods are not, you know, usually thought about as good things. You know, a flood is destructive. You can't control it. You can't prepare for it. And as I, you know, thought about it, there's people, you know, they'll do sandbags or do, you know, different things to try to prepare as much as they possibly can. But when the flood comes, it doesn't matter how much you've prepared. If it's a big enough flood, all of your preparations, including everything else, is going to get washed away in the flood. And so um, I was like, okay, this isn't as encouraging as I thought it, you know, as, as it seemed in the beginning. But, and I, but the truth is it is a very encouraging word. One, because God said it, and he's going to do it. And he said it's not a flood of dis- just destruction. It's a flood of people, but it's people who are going to need Jesus. And one of the things also that came to mind, uh, you know, I was trying to find a, a silver lining to floods. I was like, well, it can wash away the bad stuff, you know, kind of take, clear out things, clear out old things that, that you know, we've let, you know, be built up or whatever that maybe we don't need in our life anymore. And then thanks to one of our uh, elders, he popped my bubble and said, yeah, but and he, who actually worked in flood, um, not ministry, but like, you know, afterward, just help and, and stuff like that. He said, yeah, it does take all your junk down, but it brings the junk that was up the <laughs> river. And so you just get new garbage. You know, it's like, oh, well, thanks. You know, thanks for, for bringing that into the picture. Um, but the truth is, is people that come in who need emotional, physical, and spiritual healing, it's not like a pretty picture, like, if we truly get a flood of people who need Jesus, it's going to be messy. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be, and, and, and thank God, the only one that can do anything about it is him. And as, as we were, I didn't share this with the first service, but as we were in worship this time, and I was just thinking about it again, emotional, physical, spiritual healing. And he just said, you need all three of those. And I was like, yes, I do. I, I, I can go through each one of those and, and think of areas in my own life that I need those. We all need to be emotionally, physically, and spiritually healed. But the only thing that we can do about it, and, and that's, that's the thing in this word, everything else, God's going to bring the flood. He's going to bring the people. He's going to heal them. He's going to do everything. He's going to bring the vision of what he wants this church to be like. And what he tells us to do is be 
faithful and pray. Pray. And that is what I want to encourage you this morning. And we'll, we'll kind of quickly look at some of those other words again. But one of the things that is consistent in all of these words is that we need to earnestly pray. And Paul said, I wish that all of you would earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. What's the gift of prophecy? To hear the voice of God. And when you hear it, to tell other people about it. And how would we earnestly desire it? We would pray Because we can't get it on our own. We have to ask God and He's going to give it to us as a gift and speak to us as a gift if we set our heart on Him and earnestly seek Him in prayer. That's all that we can do. So the last part of this word is that New Covenant's the beginning of the vision of what He wants the church to be like. So um, in, in... Ministry in general, like you can look around the church and you can see successful churches, mega churches. Um, we're involved with different ministries who, who are much larger, much bigger um, than we are. Um, it's all relational. There's, uh, if you don't know anything about our church government, we're a non-denominational church. Um, we, no one outside governs us in any way, but we're relationally involved through an organization called, called TFAC where um, both our elders, myself, could reach out to relational people to help in different, you know, if we were ever having an issue or struggle or anything like that. So we're not just out here by ourselves, but they can't come in and tell us what our doctrine is, what we're going to believe or anything like that. Um, anyway, so all that being said, in that group, I've got friends and who are senior pastors who have very successful churches. And um, if you were to look at, um, you know, like how they're doing ministry, it's, it's done at a very excellent level. They've got all the things you could have to do ministry. Um, they've got, you know, huge teams of volunteers and just all kinds of, and structure and processes and procedures and all these things to manage all the ministry. Um, but as I've talked to them over this last year and with everything that happened along with COVID, uh, what they're all saying is this doesn't work anymore. Like what we were doing and what we've built, we can't sustain this long term. And God gave this word to us back in 2019, you know, pre-COVID about there being a, he has a vision and new covenant would be a vision of what he wants the church to be like. And so what God started speaking to me is like, if we just continued with the way church is done to do it better, to put better processes in place, to get more teams in place and, you know, all the things that we could do from a a management, you know, side. Uh, And the scary thing about when you get too far in that is you can do a lot of things without God. You know, we could do all of those things. And again, just like we were describing worship, we could all look like we're worshiping and nobody be worshiping. We could build a church that looks really great, that looks really nice, that has wonderful processes and procedures in place and not be following God. I've told our elders uh, since I got here six years ago, and it was just a word God shared with me in another passage, but um, basically that we could be decreasing in size decreasing in giving, everything sign-wise look horrible, and we could be right in the middle of God's will. We could be growing numerically, growing financially, getting everything looking like a great, fantastic ministry, and not be in the will of God. The two don't go together. It's are we hearing God and following Him and doing what He's calling us to do. And so He gave us this word in 2019 And as all of this was playing out and I'm watching these other churches and literally these senior pastors saying, we don't know what to do next. And thankfully I didn't do it in this service. I actually said a name and things in the first service and I shouldn't have because I think that was kind of some of it was confidence. But this is, is, you know, online and and out there. So I'm 
censoring myself a little more on specifics, but, but basically um, they're saying they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do next and where God is leading them. Thankfully, their heart is at a place that they're saying, we're waiting for God. We're asking him, show us what's next. And God's given us a word that new covenant's going to be the beginning of the vision of what a church is going to be like. I don't believe that we're the only one. I think God is speaking to churches throughout our nation and throughout the world right now, and that we're going to see that happening all over the place when God reveals what that looks like. I it, it, it may seem like a bad thing, but just being honest with you today, I don't know what that is. Like, he hasn't told us yet. But we're asking him and praying and seeking him and saying, Lord, show us what to do. So if you, you've all seen, like, a map or even Google Maps, if you were to say, I want to go from point A to B, and now you can even add stops on the way and say, well, I want to go to C and D and this on the way or whatever. So the picture that God gave me was, we're at A. These other churches that are doing it, you know, successfully, they've, you know, built big uh, churches and people and, and, and great ministries and processes and procedures. They're at B. And I'm not saying they did it wrong. They could have been following God the whole way there and are exactly where he has them for today. But what he's clearly saying to all of us is that's not what's going to work tomorrow. And so if we just followed the same paradigm that, that churches like us have been following, we would be trying to get from A to B. And God just said, like, what good is it going to do you to get where they are if that's not where you're going to be tomorrow? He's saying, I want you to be at C. And they need to go to C, too. And none of us know where C is. So our, our heart is, okay, God, we are going to you, and we're going to earnestly pray. And we're going to seek you, and we're going to ask you, how are you leading us? Where are you leading us? What are you calling us to and all that we know right now, if, if, if he spoke this word, and we believe he did, and what I believe, uh, many of you are, uh, or several at least I see uh, of you here this morning, are here for the first time. There's many of you uh, that have maybe been here a few weeks or a few months. Um, and, and I talk to people who have been here longer, and they say, yeah, we come or we had not been a little bit, and we look around and we don't recognize anybody. You know, and, and God is just bringing these people in. And so what I felt like is, you know, when, when a flood starts coming, even before the flood's here, the water starts to rise. And so just watching, you know, Jesus also said, how are you going to know when the end's coming? He said, watch the signs. Well, how are we going to know when the flood's coming? Well, if the water starts to rise, maybe it's on its way. And so that's where I feel like we're at the beginning stages of this prophetic word being fulfilled, and this flood is coming. And part of the comfort to me, because for a while I was, you know, just stressed. I'm like, we got to put... Because, you know, we were looking at it from a natural at the beginning when the word was first spoken. All these new people are going to come. Okay, so we got to build a bigger structure. we got to build not, and I'm not talking about the new building. I'm just saying, like, volunteers, more life groups, more of this, more of that. Because if they come, there's got to be a place for them to go. And so we started, you know, talking about that from a planning perspective. Um, but we've always believed that we only do what God leads us to do and what he puts on people's hearts to do. And if he's calling someone to do that, then great. But I'm not going to go to anybody and say, hey, I need you to do this ministry and whether you, you know, feel like it or not. I'm telling you God called you to do this. Like, no, you've got to hear God's voice for your own. You've got to have a passion for that ministry. He's got to be speaking that to you, and then you do it. Well, so in this process, um, 
He hasn't built any new life groups. He hasn't built any new ministries. He hasn't, you know, all those processes and procedures haven't been put in place. And so, and, and but then as he started showing me this word, it was like, had we built any of that stuff, it was going to get washed away anyway. Like, it's, it, it, we couldn't prepare. God's saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring the people. I'm going to heal them physically, emotionally, spiritually. It's all him. So what are we called to do? We're called to earnestly pray. And uh, another word uh, two years ago, um, a couple years ago that I got, and I'll, I'll share this with you and then we'll close. Um, it's from Matthew 9, 37 through 38. And this was a word that God had given me. And in the last few months, Pastor Daryl has been the one reminding us of that when the Lord gave it to me and that he feels like kind of like this word, like we're getting into the fulfillment of this. But this was Jesus talking to the disciples. And he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, what? Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send the laborers into his harvest. The harvest is his. It's plentiful. The laborers are his. He's calling. What are we supposed to do? Pray earnestly. We pray earnestly for the gifts to minister. We pray earnestly for him to speak, to give us revelation to the words that he's speaking, to give us that next step that we don't know what it is, but unless he speaks it, we're not going to move. We're waiting. You know, in in, um, Exodus, when the children of Israel left uh, Egypt, it says that the, they had a cloud by day and a fire by night. And if it stayed still, they stayed still. If it moved, they moved. And that's our heart, is to hear God and follow him. If he's got us standing still, we're going to stand still. And right now, we're in that place of, he hasn't told us yet what to do. So guess what? We've been waiting. But I want to call and encourage each and every one of you to join us in praying earnestly because we we believe uh the waters are rising the people are coming people who are going to need jesus and he's called us to be his hands and feet and show them the love of christ to give them a testimony of how he's healed us physically spiritually and emotionally and to pray and to pray to pray for them even before they come, because we believe they're coming. And when they show up, we can say, we've been praying for you. And God is going to heal you because he brought you to this place so that you might come to know him. And we can take that ministry outside into the community as well. Will you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you are speaking. We thank you for your written word, the Holy Bible. Lord, that it is absolutely your word given to us. Uh, and it's, it's the standard that we would hold every other word to, Father. But Lord, I also thank you that you continue to speak today, that you are speaking prophetically uh, through your body. And Father, I pray that you would put it on our hearts to pray earnestly, to seek you, Lord, that you would do everything that you have said. Lord, not just for New Covenant, but for the body of Christ. Every church that is in a place that's seeking you but doesn't know where to go, we pray that you would show us, speak to us, show us that next step, how we are to follow you, and in doing so, leading others to your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Excellent word. I don't know about y'all, but my heart just started pumping. I got more excited. I'm ready. So this week and in the future, start praying. Pray earnestly. Where can he use you?
because I know He can use all of us. There's no doubt. If He can use me in the ministry that I run, He can use any one of us. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be willing. So be ready. All right, a couple of announcements real quick. Um, at New Covenant, we do not pass an offering plate around. We have boxes on either side of the stage, back there by the sound booth and out in the foyer. If you'd like to worship God with your tithes and offerings, please just drop that in there. Also, the baby bottle drive for the Hope Pregnancy Center is going on right now. That finishes up next Sunday. So if you were planning on picking up a baby bottle, filling it with your loose change, writing a check, putting cash in it, whatever the case may be, pick that up on the way out, bring it back next Sunday. If you already have one, bring it back next Sunday. Uh, Common Grounds is closed through August 6th. Uh, there is youth tonight. Uh, last thing, ladies, I need y'all to close y'all's ears for a minute. Guys, y'all listen, okay? This next Friday is the this date night. Y'all, this is a free date for you. Bring your wife, play some bingo, have fun, okay? It's a good time. I hope everybody comes out. Uh, guys, I know you're sitting there thinking, I'm not even sure I know what a date is. You don't have to plan anything. It's okay. Just show up. Um, we possibly will have the parking lot being resurfaced. On that night, we may have to park over here at Golden Chick. So if that's needed, then we'll be out there directing traffic. Something, we'll figure it out. But come, show up. Um, that's from 6 to 8. And it is free, guys. Free date. Easy. Okay? Let's do this. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we get to be used by you. We are glad that you've called this church to partake in taking care of your people in this flood. Father, I just ask you to be with us throughout our week. Father, and just bless each and every person that's in this room. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message.